Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.
Welcome to Spirit Cleaner Radio. The following podcast was recorded upon the 6th of November 2015 and is part one of a two-part series discussing, among other things, the true identity of the true Queen of Israel, the woman within Revelation 12. SC opens up the Convo Lounge once again and invites deep conspiracist Dave Eager in in order to relax and discuss research, as well as further mind-blowing insights and revelations into subject matters that even this podcast hasn't touched upon within its short history. God says that he will prepare his people for the events that are to be at hand. We pray therefore, that this particular recording shall find you in a good and balanced spirit and that you shall find great insights from listening. God bless you all.
<clears throat> Hello. Hi, I see. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Good, good, good. good. So, um... Let me say something to Johnny here, because, uh... Okay, I'm ready. Alright, so it's... I suppose it's two o'clock out there now. Almost, yeah. Coming up to two o'clock. So, you ready? Yeah. Um, Alright, so, how have you been? Oh, pretty good. Um, you know, we have some uh, issues back there in the background that I talked to you last time. Um, um, in yeah. January, and actually, um, well, I mean, I could go into detail. I, I did it with uh, on a show with a Java ring. Okay. And but actually, it it uh, the value of suffering. It it has um, certain properties that are beneficial to a fallen human being. Yeah. I I, I believe that we're kind of just kind of slumbering along, and it it actually quickens you. We don't like it, but it it quickened me, and I uh, moved up to a higher level, and then God began to bless me, and uh, he began to bring a lot of new people around me, and you can see it going back to the podcast I did before and after that. Everything's gotten better, and also some accuracy. That was a time when um, all this discussion about uh, cosmology emerged, like on YouTube, right at that very time. Because I went, I went public with the cloud behind the moon thing. I sat on you, that for a number of years. Oh, right, so, and is that something you're still pushing, or because um, I've still been catching up with some of your podcasts, and um, you've been tackling more the the queen um, and the king, I guess, and I haven't really heard so much about the cloud behind the moon, unless I haven't really been catching up with some of the shows that you've been doing, uh-huh. uh, and um, yeah, it, it, in terms of that. I've been finding that those quite um, nourishing in terms of helping me um, with my research and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you back really because um, I, I remember when we last spoke and I think it was in March I spoke to you last um, you we were talking about the the bit of King and you basically were sort of like uh, enlightened in me in terms of that and I basically got in contact with you um, and I was quite intrigued about that and I haven't really, I've been sort of um, dabbling in that, but I hadn't really been doing so much with the, with the Queen. I guess I, I like to focus on one thing so I can get it correct in my mind as to what that character is and then move on to another one and then put all my sort of energy into that character um, as well. I guess I'm a little bit there now with, with regards to this uh, Queen of Israel. Uh, which uh, you you speak about uh, and you had mentioned even when we were speaking back in March. Um, so yeah, it's really I just wanted to get uh, a bit more uh, detail from your perspective because I have sort of mentioned this in articles and I and I have been getting into that um, in a few of my own uh, podcasts recently and. I guess really it's I really wanted to sort of bring you back and have a, have a, have a conversation give you an opportunity and I know you've you've covered this I guess so many times um, and I, I don't know oh well I guess for the benefit of my listeners I thought it would be great for you to 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 go through your understanding of this queen now mm-hmm. um, and obviously I have some questions because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to construct this whole thing in my mind uh, from top to bottom 
so that I can understand it. And it makes me see things a bit better when I'm observing sort of rituals that are either expressed in movies or going on in our mainstream media under the disguise of news uh, and so forth. So, um, but I guess it's more, it's, it's, it's equally beneficial for me to categorize you regards that particular individual as well as my listeners to um, sort of catch up or to learn a bit more about that apart from from my perspective because I think you've got a bit more um, to say upon that now I um, watched for the first time in its 88 year history um, Metropolis oh really have uh, have you seen that I don't watch movies uh, all the way through typically because um, I get distracted. I watch them on a computer, and I've got so many things going in my head. I actually research the movies as I as I as I watch them, and so I cannot sit down and continuously watch a movie unless it's a, a different kind of movie. And normally, I don't watch those type of movies. You well, know? you this is a, this is a, this is an old one, you know. It's the black and white. Oh one. yeah, I mean I've, I've researched it a lot, and I I have watched. Uh, Probably two fifths of it, at least, maybe halfway, maybe more. I don't remember. Yeah, it's, it's it's been on a few times, and it's always it always comes on very late at night here in the UK, and it's it's almost like I don't know, I know it's connected because I know I've seen images from which are related to Revelation 17, the Hall of Babylon, and uh, it, it's always come on late at night, and um, obviously it's too late, and I fall asleep and whatever. But I really made an effort to watch it because mainly because of the research that I've been doing. And um, yeah, I watched it all the way through, and I'm, and um, it's it's pretty much, from what I imagine, all in there, in terms of some of the things you've been talking about recently, in terms of um, Isabella. So, would you agree? On, would, would you agree with that? Uh, well, there it's complex because, in my view, there's uh, we we'd like to have one prominent future uh, feminine entity coming but unfortunately that would make everything simple uh, but there's more than one you know at the, at the very least you have to understand that they're you know they're withholding information uh, specifically that the, the Antichrist will have a consort and that's yes. why you don't hear people talk about that it's just basic common sense and they've even put out uh, I would even call it theological propaganda to misdirect people based on this passage which is kind of uh, ambiguous in the book of Daniel and try to convince people that he's going to be homosexual. Yeah. If, if you know anything about the Illuminati, um, they're actually bisexual. Yeah. Anything else yeah. is, is there's something wrong with you if you're not bisexual. So if you if you knew that, then you would not be thinking along those lines. But Almost. he's going to he's going to have many consorts in my estimation. But he has a primary um, a primary one. And who do you think that is? Is that um, would that be Lilith? Uh, okay, those kind of things are very, very complex. What we've talked about over, over on the show is that um, you can use scripture and Jewish tradition uh, to at least allow that a uh, you know an ancient uh, patriarch can incarnate more than once. Now, I, I believe the Bible actually teaches that. If you just take it literally. You know, when it says Elijah coming back, you have to look at it from the perspective of uh, first century culture. These people did not have a problem with that, so they had a common folk belief. I've talked about that on the show about that, you know. Uh, the question is, is that what Scripture actually teaches? And, and I, I do believe 
it does, and uh, it, it's difficult for the Christian brain to process because um, well, I'm not. I believe we we've, we've been misdirected on that too. Well, I'm not too bothered about the average Christian brain. Um, I don't think this show yeah. is, is geared to them, and I think the people who do listen are not the average Christian. I think they're more truth seekers, and they they basically are interested in going to the very uh, end of what it's all about. And I don't. I certainly don't cater for a Christian market in that sense. You know, I'm, um, I'm, and I think that's what I really want to get you on, really, and to express what you know. Um, and I don't, as I said, I don't worry about the, what people think of me and what they think of my my research. Uh, for me, it's just about getting out there. Um, and with some people, you know, they may feel that certain knowledge needs to be to be given at certain times, or they may want to sit on things. Um, but yeah, so I, in terms of film Metropolis, it, it came out in 1927. And it's which obviously eighty-eight years ago. It's not perfect because even in that movie we see a main character called Maria, and um, she comes across very much like um, well, like Isabella really. But with the only difference there is that she's pretty much um, preaching the Tower of Babel. Um, Theology in that in that movie. So it's, even though I find it to be quite informative in terms of some of the things that you've been talking about, in terms of this dual aspect of this particular individual who who is both Isabella and Persephone. Um, even back then, Hollywood wasn't given a, a complete accurate uh, interpretation of what it was all about. Truthfully, but it but still it gave. From what I saw within it, it gave this dual aspect of this individual whereby um, people perceived um, this particular, I suppose, they was worshipping her, but they perceived this particular deity in a positive way, and then a counterfeit one came along. And I'll, you've probably seen all of this, but if people haven't watched the movie, and I, I really highly recommend you do it, because it's all done to music, and it's all done to, uh, there's, no, there's no sort of dialogue per se, but it was very... Very pioneering in this day. I was quite impressed with it, it uh, um, for it being made in 1927. But it, 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 you also have this sort of prince-like character, the son, and then you have you see now, obviously, and and then you have a, like an exodus whereby the lower levels of the system floods, and then you see this sort of prince and queen characters lead all the children to safety. Yeah. Um, and then you have another character who is a scientist who sort of makes this sort of like um, transhuman robot who then creates this artificial counter uh, um, counterfeit Maria, and she obviously takes on this darker aspect which most would perceive as Persephone. And this is what I've been getting from my, my research. But it, it, but in the movie, it wasn't so much that they were one and the same. It was very much they were two different. Uh, individuals. One was imitating this particular female, and the other one was much more, was was captive, but she was um, she never changed. But she she was um, this Maria character everyone loved and worshipped. And the whole concept behind the film was is that she was preaching about this coming mediator, mm -hmm. uh, which by he would mediate between 
the uh, head and the, and the hand. So the mediator character was sort of like this sort of mediator between, the, I suppose, the, the, the creator and then people who worked on lower levels. Once you can see the film, you can see this sort of hierarchical structure. And it was done in a very negative way, you know, almost like this creator was like God, and then you had this hierarchy, and that people at the lower levels were... You know, you, you could perceive this as a very sort of totalitarian structure, and you could see that it was, it was almost reflecting this sort of uh, heavenly structure, the spiritual structure. And then all these other characters played their certain roles. And I certainly saw the Davidic king or prince, and I certainly saw this Isabella character very easily. And I saw the Exodus, and I saw these sort of things within that movie. So it was very, um, it was very eye-opening. I, I really wanted to watch it. And I did. I, get, I did get around to watching. It. I thought it, it backed up, if anything, some of the things that you were talking about. But I still, I still saw the, the sort of psychological, the, the sort of the, 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 the propaganda, the sort of, um, even, which is quite surprising because you thought even way back then people would be quite biblically savvy that they would. If you saw a character sort of teaching about the, the, the power of Babel in a positive light, which which what this Maria character was doing, that they would be quite alarmed by that. But um, for me, it was just as misleading in that context, but all the way back then. So how are we doing there? You, you type in there. Are you? I, I'm saying something to Johnny to uh, just make sure he's recording. Okay. This is the backup. Anyway, see. I can make some comments about that. First of all, you know, the thing about the, uh, the Queen, you have to understand that she's, um, you would want to compare her uh, with other historical figures like Eve and Semiramis, the greatest women. Yeah. And, uh, you, um, you know, you have to set aside Eve because it's kind of like apples and oranges. But um, although you could compare her after the fall, but I actually think her nature is a bit complex after the fall. We, we're not absolutely certain. Because I, I believe that she was qualitatively superior because she actually came indirectly from God. She is a legitimate daughter of God by default. And uh, whatever w people may believe, uh, Adam is a, uh, a son of God. Yeah. And Scripture says that in Luke 3.38. But he came directly from God. And he's the only person that's done that. And, and there's a whole... That's a big subject. But anyway... She is important simply because of one thing. She's his consort. Because she has to be compatible with him, just like Eve is compatible with Adam. So her greatness is, is dependent upon his greatness. And I believe that uh, Psalm 89 specifically says, it's, it's translated different ways, that he's the, he's the greatest of the kings of the earth, but he's the greatest king in the history of the world. So the other way you would understand that, now, he's the greatest that. king... At, at that present time, I don't think it's talking about that. I'm talking about Psalm 89. Yeah, but are you talking about... Okay, so she's a consult for who? Adam? Or what are you saying there? She's this, this queen that we're talking about, the uh, queen of Israel. Right. She's the consort for this uh, Davidic prince or right. king, whatever you want to call Yeah, okay. Yeah. So she's great because he's great. Because she's compatible with him. She's right. His compl she she's his compliment to see Okay, and she's still she's still this seventh sister though. She's and but you 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 refer to her as a daughter of God, and she's the seventh of the of of seven or the seventh one. Okay, uh, are, it, are it they all equally, gets, 
I'll make equally. It all gets very complex very well, quickly. Yeah, well, this is what I really want to thrash out here because. Uh, yeah, because I'm, yeah. Um, we're talking about a female Elohim that is linked with her, and that is why the the uh, the symbology uh, that the Illuminati is throwing around in predictive programming it's, it's very difficult to penetrate unless you have the uh, the, the ancient uh, concepts and bring them into the future. Because yeah. it's very clear that they um, they prioritize this linkage, and you can interpret it di- different ways, which, just setting aside Hebrew culture, I mean, everybody believed this in the ancient world, as far as we know, that there was this essential linkage between a celestial being and, uh, the, you know, the, the mortal on Earth. And it, it, Christians have completely missed this. They, you know, but whether it's true or not, the Illuminati have a belief system. And the easiest way to identify it is through redundancy. And you see these patterns over and over again. So the Persephone figure, in my estimation, is what New Agers would call her higher self. You know what I mean? Okay, it's, but... but it, she, there really is not any kind of terminology that's going to make a, a Christian feel comfortable because we don't, we don't have any. So we have to borrow it. Yeah, as I said, I don't, I'm not worried about Christians' perspective. I'm not really here trying to package something to the Christians. I'm just... Uh-huh. I think... A lot of my readers, listeners, and uh, just really are after the um, well, the truth. Um, and you know, I, I I'm not really after subscribers or, or anything like that. For me, this is, all, this is all personal research, and I will always put up my how I interpret it, um, the way I interpret it up on my work and articles and whatever. And I don't I don't worry about. It. In other words, I just I just tend to just uh, publicly make available my work and. If you're, if you're offended by it, then don't read it. And if you're interested, then just, you know, pursue it and take on board some of the things that's said, you know. So um, I, I, I've, I've never come from it from that point of view. And that's why I'm interested in, in, in hammering down these characters. Um, but you, you think that she's still up there in, this, in the heavens, in the lower heavens, right? She's not incarnated on the earth right now. Uh, this is the gray goddess figure that I referred yeah. to. And I, I, I developed that term because, in my estimation, she's the most highly changeable being in redemptive history. <laughs> uh, she's up and down and all over the place. Like most women. <laughs> now, a, a way to illustrate that, I believe that she has a, a notorious past. And I just want to say something real quick. The reason I brought up you know, about the possibility, which I believe that Scripture actually teaches that they have a... Uh, you know, a, a patriarch can incarnate again. It's because the same thing can happen with a uh, a matriarch. And so I'm saying that she has been here before. Yeah. Yep. And, and a, a huge part of the mystery, and this has to do with the Black Madonna, by the way, is that she, in my estimation, is that she had a notorious past. Now, that's not going like, to make a lot of sense to people, but the reason that this is true is because or could be true, is because she's the personification of Israel yep. at their worst and also when they're restored. If you can understand that simple concept, that there's a woman that historically personifies Israel in more than one incarnation, if God wants to do that, he, he can do that. And they were wicked, and so was she, and she's going to come back when God restores everything. Now, you'll actually see this, is, see, this is what's going on there. If I could give you one verse, it would be in... Uh, what is it like Revelation 12 2 or something like that you know the woman is clothed yes. with the sun now I believe that uh, I, I'm reading into it a little bit but I believe that that's the, what we call the whore of Babylon and, it, and the reason that she's nude there is, is for a reason she's being restored with 
you know, the righteousness of Christ. And, uh, but I believe that she has a notorious past. And it's the same, see, it's the same woman, in, in, I believe, in Revelation uh, yeah, 17. I mean, that's uh, something maybe my listeners may be new to, and I'm, I've, I've, uh, that's not that's not fresh to me. I'm aware of that, and that's why I, when I was watching that uh, Metropolis movie, the way they covered that really was by saying that there's two individuals. One's a counterfeit, which you can say one's a counterfeit church, if she represents the the, the, the church in that way, uh, or represents the uh, children of Israel. And one was a much more pure figure. One get, and then this Maria character in this movie gets captured, and then this counterfeit robotic. Um, um, individual gets put in her place and then she basically goes around really messing up things and and um trying to bring everything to destruction um and that's her main role but in that movie it was tackled in a sense that they were two different people now i it sort of reminds me of sort of like what what isabella went through was almost like some sort of mk ultra that she was traumatized is that what is the case, or is it one individual, or is it... Because uh, they're, they're making that quite known in this film. <laughs> um, she has um, a lot of issues right now, according to uh, prophecies that people are getting behind in, in the background. And um, they basically are pursuing her in the background, supposedly, and she is actually in a fallen state right now. Uh, this is what uh, Madonna was um, yeah. was mocking, and this also has to do with what Madonna was doing there in September, you know, the desecration of the bride. Absolutely. Now I they I, got their hooks into her. She hasn't been restored yet. She actually fell. Had, had a so she's going fall. through a bit of a dark dark period then, um, yes. because I saw the opening to that uh, Madonna, and uh, obviously wherever she went in that uh, trip where the Pope was in the USA. The Pope followed, and the beginning of that ceremony was very clear. I could see very evident that Madonna was playing this um, Isabella stroke Persephone character because she was all chained up, and then you had the Mike Tyson who was playing this Hades character or uh, Azazel, um, which is doing all the traumatizing and so forth. Now, it, it, it's, I'm all, from what I've been seeing, it's almost like that this character Persephone is going to be some sort of motivation for some sort of um, invading army because in, in that Madonna opening sequence we see her leading the charge um, with regards a coming army um, and is, is that something that she will be involved with, with regards when certain events arrive on the earth um, will she obviously she come on the scene in a negative fallen state right uh, she is not a, a classical female uh, figure. She's more along the lines of a Joan of Arc or yep. Semiramis. Uh, Semiramis is the most famous historical woman that has a lot of male uh, masculine properties. She was a sovereign uh, that continued to live on and, and rule with an iron fist after her consort died. That would be in my estimation, you know, Nimrod, Nimrod, obviously, or Cyrus, I think they're the same person. That's just the Egyptian. Yeah. And she was Isis, but see, people get confused. They're thinking that Isis is a celestial being. Now, she was an, an earthly woman. Now, is, is, now, could that be a possibly incarnation of 
uh, Persephone, or is that someone completely different, or or is she representing somebody in the celestial? But she's um, you know, I uh, we've tried to get revelation about what we can talk about, what we haven't. But I, I basically reveal this on the show, but only in bits and pieces. But what is going on is that the Illuminati. Um, repeatedly is identifying her with Semiramis and so what I have said on the show is that they are either doing that because this woman is going to reincarnate or uh, they're mocking her and, and turning her into the great horror when she's, she's really not at all uh, there are there's indications that it is going to be Semiramis and that the great whore is going to come. You see, that's what Israel was. I see. Now, a lot of times people have a hard time processing this because they don't understand who Semiramis was. I believe that she was the wife of Noah. Yeah. And her her name was Noah. In this horrible film they just put out about Noah, his wife, he was actually married to Noah. And there's a lot of information on on the Internet. You know, Noah has two A's in it. People don't have a big problem that, you know, uh, he, there's more more than one Namah, supposedly, by the way, that um, that Noah was actually married to Namah. And I said also that in uh, the the in Freemasonry, they actually reveal that um, Semiramis came through the flood in these wood carvings because they have they have this goddess figure that to be able to identify her. And then mm-hmm. uh, it, it's always the same one over and over again because she's the great mother. She's like um, the dark Eve. She's a new Eve after the flood. Absolutely. Um, well, so what made her so dark then? I mean, she came she came through the flood with Noah. I mean, was she... Uh, she abandoned her husband. And then... And she became a vessel of darkness, became a target. And uh, because of her greatness, I, I hold to the view... And people claim to have got revelation on this, that everybody that survived the flood were superior to their children. They were actually like a god or a goddess or a demigod. They lived longer. They lived hundreds of years. And it's believe, something that needs to be considered. Yeah. I mean, do you believe those so, certain people incarnate at those, at those times in order to go through these earthly roles? Is that something you, you, you're considering? Uh, say that again? I mean, are, are you considering that certain people incarnate on Earth at certain times in order to achieve certain roles? I mean, um, is, is there a higher um, personality of uh, Semiramis? You know, a higher and a lower uh, oh, yes. example. And what will we hear? Yeah, and there, I, I actually believe that she used to be Lilith. I can't, I can't prove that. Ah, uh, you mean I this is the Lilith, this is Adam's first wife? Or... Yes, according to Jewish tradition. Now, th- okay. Now, see, there's a, there's, there's two um, legends or traditions about Lilith. And it's confusing because one is referring to the upper Lilith and one is referring to the lower Lilith. And if you understand that, you go, aha! Now we've got something here because they contradict each other, or at least appear to. They really don't. The upper Lilith is the Persephone figure, who was darkened. In the underworld, she became the uh, the consort of Hades. Hades is a real entity described in Revelation 6. And who is Hades? He's her consort in the Persephone myth, which all, well, the majority uh, of the, um, you know, the mystery schools were based around that, that central uh, initiation about Persephone. Everyone used to know about her. It was common knowledge. It's just, 
you know, folk knowledge. So Semiramis was the higher, higher Lilith then, and the, and the lower Lilith is in the underworld, the queen of the underworld now? Semiramis was the the lower Lilith. I believe that Lilith came out. Uh-huh. But you can simplify it and just start with Semiramis. And basically, um, you see, um, it, it helps to understand if you can receive this, that King David is the one that comes back. Because if you can process that, she's going to be like him in every respect. And so she has to be someone great in the past that comes back. So what you do, you start scanning history and go, aha, uh -huh, which one of these great women is it going to be? Because um, the choices are actually relatively few. You know? <clears throat> so so um, she, she's not in the underworld now, though. She's... Um... I believe she's here right now. Uh, well, they're telling us that she's here right now. Uh, let me say something about uh, the Horror Babylon figure. Um, the way that you would relate that, that woman to, uh, to Israel is, is if you can get to the point, and you have to do some research on this. There's a great book out there, which I've mentioned before, that Revelation 18 is actually talking about first century uh, uh, Jerusalem and or Judah. And this is why it calls it, um, you know, Mystery Babylon. And we're all we're all ready to reject that, right? But see, with a type anti-type double fulfillment form of prophecy, th this is not a big problem. Uh, you know, you can have a first century fulfillment, yeah. and, and it can refer to the future. I'm saying this is why she is she is, is related to first century Judah. Okay. Mm. is because of that typology. That, that That's actually going to work. You see, now, I, another thing I want to say is that ISIS is, is called the virgin whore. And they're not going to come out and tell you the truth. They'll put something in front of you that they'll tell you that she's a virgin, she's a whore, but you're naturally going to draw the assumption that she's the virgin whore at the same time. And yeah. I'm saying no. I mean, I used to believe that, but they're saying that she comes back and, and is restored in the, in the distant future, they actually had that kind of knowledge. Now, one of the reasons they did is because, uh, according to, you know, Job chapter 1 and 2, uh, Satan, uh, he had access to the divine counsel, so he would hear a lot of secrets. You know what I mean? I don't think his ears were plugged when he was there. And, for instance, he knows that whatever God decrees comes to pass. And he had access to the divine counsel, I believe, up until the first century. Uh, if you're a futurist... Um, you would say that he still has access because he hasn't been cast out yet. That's not the scholarly view, though. I hold to the scholarly view that he was cast out uh, in the first century. But he had access to a lot of knowledge, and so he knew certain things that were going to happen in the future, and that would explain things like, you know, knowing that she would be restored and she would come back as a virgin, essentially. But not, the necessarily a literal, not necessarily a literal virgin, but... Yeah. Or cleanse, I guess. But um, but the Illuminati has this sort of strange relationship where they sort of worship her and they and they don't because she's grey and so she's in some aspects she's on with their agenda and she's against it or or is that just completely the um... they actually adore her and worship her is their great mother she's their Eve um, because now you can go. Look at this from two different perspectives. You can go with the esoteric view that she was um, uh, Lilith, and they know about that. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, in Jewish tradition, they also have another consort for Cain, because I believe that she became the consort of Adam. Oh, this is Lilith. Now, let me talk oh, about this just a little bit, because there's interesting typology. According to tradition, she abandoned Adam. Uh, yeah. Consort of Cain, along with this other woman that was his sister called Rugawah. That they actually call her that. It means beautiful, you know, in Jewish traditions, which Christians reject. But I'm saying that you got to understand that Noah was actually a type of Adam. It was a new age. There was, you know, everything changed. It was a new world after that cataclysm. And this is this is the basis for understanding that she's a new Eve, but she's a dark one. But she left this typological Adam again. You see, and this so is like, this is so the basis for why she's a great whore because she abandoned this great man. So it's almost like the history, or the, it's it's a repetitive cycle we can't seem to break out of. So even when Lilith leaves Adam, and then you have the same thing with Semiramis leaving Noah. Um, this just keeps <laughs> just keep on happening, and I guess you, yeah, obviously the flood wiped out everything, and obviously it starts between that first family, I guess again. Um, but how so does she's their she's their great mother? It goes back to her. Whether you go back, whether you include the Lilith stuff, or whether you just want to go back to <clears> Semiramis, she, she is their great mother as far as the bloodline, and they glorify her over and over again, um, esoterically, but they also protect her because she's sacred. And they will only take you so far, and then, then you hit a wall, you know, like in, in pop culture, yeah. and, and they cannot reveal anymore. I've talked about that. I, I did a podcast called Secret Goddess, you know. But actually, when I did that, I was talking about her upper self, however you interpret that. And when I say that, you don't necessarily have to hold to the view that she actually literally has a higher self, and, and she could be a counterpart that you're linked with. This is the theory that everyone has a counterpart okay. um, that you're linked with, and this is just the way God did everything. And, and when God mediates things uh, to you, He does it through this um, this called you can call it an angel. That's just the way God does things. It's all mediation. And that's what some people may call, I suppose, a New Age may call it a guardian angel or spirit guide, or it could be a higher self. Yeah. Well, from a Christian view, it would be like a permanent guardian angel. Okay, but in some senses, are you saying that if it is a, a higher self that wants an individual on Earth who has that connection uh, leaves the planet, they they be, they wake up into that higher self? Is is there multiple? Well, Go on. Let, let me say this, okay? Because I'm just on the verge of saying this on my own show, but in the, you can you can as far as proving anything, uh, you can prove. You can't prove universals, but you can prove that there was a, new, a near universal belief outside of Hebrew culture that um, that you had this higher self, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, 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 the Greeks called it a daemon. That's what a daemon is. Yes, yes. I've talked about that. This podcast is not up yet, but it will be the newest one we upload. Uh, the the, the daemon, uh, which is actually the demon, it's not the same. Yeah, the yeah. Christian concept of a demon is different, but the demon is your higher self. What I'm trying to say is that there was this um, these Elohim entities that God split to in order to uh, um, create an essential part of what I call this cosmic drama. He wanted to illustrate something, and we are back. Hello. Yeah. You back? Um, yeah, I'm not sure what's happening now. I'm getting some. Uh... 
requests. Okay, sorry, where were you then, Dave? Um, the si yeah, the we... signal dropped. Um, what I'm saying is that the Hebrews believed what everyone else believed, and uh, this doctrine actually came, it, it has a pristine source. This is something everyone believed all around the world, and the reason we don't believe it is because it's been suppressed. I actually believe it's a punishment from God, and he allowed the enemy to extract it from uh, Christian theology. And, uh, and that's why we think it's some um, strange doctrine, basically. Oh, this is the so, dame and higher self sort of thing. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's, most people, this, this is not an easy doctrine to process because the Bible teaches that most people are reprobate. I mean, you've got to believe that just looking at historically. I mean, most of them are not going to make it. And so it actually teaches that, I mean, numerically, most people have a dark higher self. And that's a little bit something to, you know, it's a little disturbing. I actually think that that's one of the reasons why God has hidden it. And this is why it's difficult to talk about this kind of stuff. But does every person on the planet have a higher self? Or yes. is it only, only yeah. those who come incarnate here? Um, they do. They all have a higher self. But that's the way God created it. But I, I just want to say that as far as this doctrine of reincarnation, one thing I want to emphasize is that you have this royal court. Yeah. Of 70, and they have compliments of uh, 70 uh, females. And then you have this quaternity that sits above them, and this is the secret for the number 144. And this is, what the, this is why they're throwing that number around. It doesn't have anything to do with 144,000. I'm not trying to say that that number is not important, but it, people are naturally going to correlate the two. But that's a hierarchy right there. Now, see, the easy way to illustrate that SC you got to understand, on their side, they do have a dark 144. It, 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 Absolutely, it's, yeah. It's, it, they got a quaternity. But see, Christianity, we don't have a quaternity. That's because we don't understand who Adam and Eve is. According yeah. to Scripture, it, he says it's the Son of God. So he's either Christ or he's a lower son that's qualitatively superior to everybody else. But um, she is a daughter Okay, now I believe there's a mother, but I don't believe, I've talked about this on the show, uh, about our basic essential beliefs. I don't believe it's a, the mother is a, is a second coexistent being. She's kind of like um, the other side of a coin. And, and there yeah. are scriptures that talk about this feminine nature, and Christians just ignore it. I'm not talking about a second coexistent being. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was doing some research on that, and there are some churches who, who um, preach that. Um, and that's what I wanted to really discuss talk to you about that because I wanted to go from the very top down 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 because you say that there's this quaternity then you said that there's 70 so I'm interested in this 70 and I'm interested well, in the Well the reason I want to talk about the 70 just real quick is I believe because they're qualitatively superior they actually belong to this royal court and you always have this, have this uh, as, a, as above so below principle you see that right on down the line and you see it over and over in scripture and that's why Christians react to it negatively because that's been extracted as well Okay, so they can't figure certain things out. But, um, you know, David's uh, royal house was a reflection of that on earth. Right. Okay, but anyway, the reason <clears throat> I brought that up is because they incarnate um, more than once. I'm not trying to say that, you know, the, the typical person incarnates more than once. I don't, I don't believe that. Yeah. But they, the, but they do. And there's an inner family... Um, if you want, I've got terminology for everything. This is, uh, you, you call it the, the upper pantheon of seven. These are the seven spirits that stand before the throne. 
and um, they're qualitatively superior. You actually have a, a, a little upper pantheon with, within them because I actually believe that there's there's only four, or as or as many as as four archangels. Um, but anyway, they have um, they have seven consorts, and um, Isabella is the little one. So that's a, that's a tough. She's tip. the seventh angel, and these angels—they're all in the ancient world. This is what people believe: they all had a star. You know what I mean? Yes. And this has to do with the Pleiades, and they got a great book out there. It's kind of new agey, but it, it, I mean, it absolutely proves that there's a universal belief around the world um, that everyone knew that the Pleiades had to do with these seven uh, feminine beings. I'm saying that she's least in rank. There's a reason why. It's it complex. Is she a part? Uh, is that seven then? The upper seven. That's a part of the seventy. Yes. This is why. They have the rainbow out there because that's an esoteric seven. Um, that uh, that's why they have the number seven uh, on the floor in the Petco Two video. That's her number. If you understand that, you're going to figure out a number of things. All right. So then, how how is the seventy then divided? Is it is it groups of sevens? Is it ten groups of sevens? Or, there's, or it... there, there's seven there's seven tiers of. Uh, or there's ten tiers of seven. That's why I thought. Okay. There's there's a big drop off. Every every between every, the first seven and you know number eight, and there's a huge drop off uh, between you know number seventy and everyone below it. Now each each the uh, each well the angels. Am I correct? Or you will say the Elohim? Are, yeah, but correct? the angel doesn't have anything to do with nature. But, uh, you know, you can use that. I used it just for, for familiar because yeah. people are familiar with it. You know. So would angel. Seven then is a bell be connected in some way to the lower rank angel fourteen in that in that in that same way, or are they completely two different beings? What I'm trying to say is that does one soul sort of have like bodies at ten different levels, or is it ten different entities in in those? Beings? No, it's just um, it's a bit complex because I believe that they can uh, they can manifest a temporal. Um, emanation of themselves just because they have that ability but as a general rule you just have an upper and a lower I want to say too that I just don't want to forget this that the reason number 14 is important is because that's the geometria for David and they're throwing that around and uh, I, just wanted, I just wanted to mention that at some point along the way and why is that? why is that number associated with David? Uh, I, I actually don't know <laughs> okay that, well, that's that's the numerical equivalent of his name, you know, David. Okay. So I was, as I, as I said to you, I was watching this um, Metropolis, and they did. There was this called Creator, which I perceived as God. I can't remember his name, um, but there was he he, tend, he within the movie he had this female counterpart who died when he was creating this sort of uh, systematic. Uh, hierarchical system and in the movie uh, she was called like strangely hell h-e-l and that's persephone right there oh really so well that's see yeah because she according to the uh the tradition she became um the consort of hades and the queen of the underworld now she's also the queen of heaven that's a, a completely different story the lower heaven so talk to me because i think my first real sort of at the top level now, getting my head around this 
female aspect of the creator you're saying it's not a, a, a per it's not a um, personification of a female this, this is the easiest way to explain it you have it says in scripture whether the Christian brain can process it or not Luke 338 that Adam's the son of God with, with yes. a definite article okay so now <clears throat> that means that Eve is going to be the daughter by default and, and not only that she never had an earthly father or mother so it doesn't really yes. matter what scripture says she's, she's the daughter of God and, but she came indirectly okay now, yes. now I actually believe that that is a lower type of what happens with because I'm an emanationist okay so everything has to do with emanation it, it, it begins with the she emanated her higher self emanated out of the um, this heavenly Adam which the Bible talks about and uh, I've, I've said on my show it, it says Adam right in Proverbs 831 Adam hasn't even created yet so you just have to deal with that kind of thing but however you want to perceive that but if you have a father a son and a daughter I mean it's staring you right in the face that there's a mother so it's just you know it's what is she like and uh, I'm just saying, I don't believe that she's, we're not talking about, you know, Mormon doctrine here. But you're counting her as one of the, one of the questions. I don't believe she even has a body, you see. So there you go. Mm. I but, used to. <laughs> but in some way, she makes up the creator. As you said, two sides of coin. So it is... It... Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're counting it as two, two individuals then. Or, uh, and, two in one. You have to understand that all reality in some sense is a distant reflection of God. Now look right. around. What do you see in creation? You see polarity, you see male and female everywhere. Yeah, so These things that, are found with him internally. So is that when they said let's make a man in our image, is that coming from God, the male and the, the female? Elohim? He's speaking to the Elohim. He's not. It's not referring to the Trinity. Trinitarian scholars, uh, they hold to the view, the majority view, that he's speaking to angels. Most of them have difficulty understanding. The Scripture teaches that an angel is Elohim. That's what the Bible actually teaches. Yeah. I've talked about that before. Yeah. How you can prove that? Okay, but he's not talking to this female um, aspect, saying let's make man and male and female. Uh, that would be like in this uh, Sophia Gnostic myth. Um, right. It's possible. Um, I can't really say. I mean, there's not enough information there. I've said before that these seven uh, spirits that stand before the throne, they have such a prominent role. It's possible he's speaking only to them. Right. Or he could be speaking to 14. Or he could speak, be speaking to the royal court of 70 or 140 or all of them. I, we don't really know. Okay. And um, so, is there then a representation of fourteen on Earth then, or at this level? In okay. What yeah. uh, what we can do is we can go to Micah chapter uh, five, where it says that Israel will be abandoned until she who is in labor gives birth. This is the queen. That's not the Virgin Mary because. Yeah. Israel was abandoned in the first century. This is talking about this long period of time that culminates in restoration and the son that she gives birth to is a sign and this is in Hosea chapter 3 as well and what Hosea is very important this, this scripture is ignored it's Hosea 3 verses 1 and 2 
And look at the context, because it's talking about the Davidic king and the restoration of Israel. But it's talking about a woman uh, that has a notorious past, or a dark past, or whatever, and she is restored. And uh, this is because scholars actually distinguish between this, it's somewhat mysterious, and the previous wife that Hosea had. Uh, that's 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 a, a complex subject there, okay. But um, going back to this movie, um, I want to say too that people have had prophecies about her that she's going to be martyred in, in the future. She's going to be um, martyred. The queen. You're right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, she, in the future, she'll be martyred. Uh, I don't how, know if that's true or not. How's that but work? I'm just saying that because you you mentioned that it's in the film. Um, yeah, they they do, but within the we're talking about Metropolis, right? Um, yeah. In the movie, they're, they're they're almost two separate individuals, and um, the, the evil one, which is playing this Revelation 17 character, is um, basically a, it, it's it's a robot with flesh on it, and um, and they they go after her once they realise their own actions. What they see this this uh, this uh, counterfeit Maria. It's really, honestly, it's, she's she comes on stage. She's on this uh, seven-headed beast. It's very book of Revelation, everything, and it's very clear what's going on there. And they even mentioned parts in the film about a, a priest quoting uh, segments from the book of Revelation. Um, so it's very clear what's going on. Um, and then she sort of gets really gets people, and it's very clear because when she when when this darker version goes on stage, all these men are sort of lusting after her. You can sense this sort of. Uh, Sort of sexualized um, aspect um, of this this female that everyone starts worshiping, but everyone tends to lose their mind, and they and she she riles up a revolution uh, in order to bring down a system. But what they don't realize when they were doing that is that by their actions, um, what in destroying certain infrastructure of the system, it it creates a flood, and then basically. The, the, the people's children are then at risk at the lower level. It's almost like Earth, in a sense. Um, okay, now I, I have to say that I believe that that flood is um, Aquarius symbology. They're doing this over and over again just so people can relate to it. When you look through the Petco 2 video, it's almost through the entire video, they have the water element in the background. They're telling you something. There's a reason why they're doing that, and people are not processing it. Well, yeah, typically but, ice, typically ice or snow. But then within the film, you see these this sun and this the the the, the light Maria say save the children. It's almost like this exodus that you, you keep on talking about uh, happens in the film, and they save the yes. children. And um, there's an underground um, Zion in uh, the Matrix film, the second one. Yeah. Okay. There's something going on with that. Uh, and in your opinion, is that the underworld? So just real quick, I mean, with the London Olympics, um, you they have the Zion uh, emphasis there, but you're trying to figure out, is it is it their Zion, or is it our Zion? Because I believe there's two of them. Yes, I, I would agree. And they had their own Zion. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I think obviously within the Matrix films, obviously, it's their Zion um, they're communicating. Obviously... Um, the Olympics 2012 and this year as well, it, within the year, you can spell out the word Zion. And, and I fundamentally think that some 
major rituals that were taking place in 2012 as well as have been taking place this year um, mm-hmm. as well in, in accordance with that. Um, so, okay. Um, Let me so say a little bit more about her in the film, okay? Um, first of all, you can look at a fantastic uh, video by Sting called If I Ever Lose My Faith in You. You've mm. got to see this thing because they've got all the symbolism there and they present her I mean, they've actually got this king in the ocean on a throne. That There you got the Aquarius stuff going on. Because, see, I actually believe that in this ancient um, Hebrew zodiac, which has all been covered up, Aquarius is just, um, that's just a Latin term uh, to confuse people. But um, she's in there as an obvious um, Joan of Arc figure. Okay? Uh, and... Um, I mean, I mean, it's like perfect, you know. And then, so anyway, the reason that she's portrayed as as a robot um, mm. is because she personifies Israel right now. Israel is in captivity, and they have her hooks on her. We've talked about how the Christian mind is enslaved right now, and they don't even know it. They may be free in Christ, but unless you have specific knowledge about your enslavement, um, I'm sorry. And these. The average Christian, they don't have a clue what's going on, and the reason they don't is because God has not given them sufficient grace, okay? So this is very interesting because I've said that the Pego 2 video is the most profound thing that I've seen out there as far as predictive programming, as far as the esoteric details. It's completely off the charts, so the main figure that they're focusing on in the Pego 2 video is the queen, and the other one is this, this, this king, her consort, and people are, they don't have the pertinent information to process that, to process that they're trying to figure out, is this guy Christ, and they mocking him, or is it the Antichrist? It's, it's neither, <laughs> you know what I mean? When mm. I say Christ, I'm talking about the heavenly uh, yeah. Christian concept of Christ. Okay, so anyway, when you look at the first opening scene, and by the way, when they open that door, that, that, the first thing you see is David, because you have to understand, this is very important, what you're talking about. Everything starts with him, and there's a possibility every single year that something could happen in the background that has to do with um, the winter solstice, because that's, yeah. a, that's an esoteric beginning. There's an exoteric beginning in the spring. That, that's the historical ancient view, okay? Not j- this January stuff. That's all distraction, just like a day beginning at midnight. But anyway, if you look at the opening scene, see the, 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 um, the letters are all symbols, and the letter D is a door, and it's not surprising, then I think it's either Revelation 2 or 3, that uh, Christ talks about, I will give you the, the key to, to, um, to David. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's, see, it's actually a door that he opens that has to do with David. Well, that's actually what the name David has to do with is a door. But it all starts with him. The next thing they show is this goat who is what somewhat curiously is in captivity, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, they go out of their way to show you that she's in captivity, okay? And that's a female goat because it's got makeup on, and it's all locked up, and then it actually okay. looks like it's in a female camp. So, I mean, they're overdoing it. They're telling you she is in captivity. That's a simple, basic message. So you can say, well, why do they show it as a goat? Well, forget about that. They're just simply saying that whoever this is, she is in captivity, and they even give her a 666 mark on the forehead. She's a slave. Now, people have had personal prophecies that this woman, they've got their hooks into her, and then she also has suffered a a moral fall. 
was was being mocked yeah. by Madonna, Madonna, because they know what's going on behind the scenes. You see. So she had this fall. I understand. Hades. Now you, you, she, she needs personal restoration. You see that. But she's she's been she's been rescued from that situation. I, I she's going understand. to be when she when that happens. That's a sign. I, it's, it's a sign that Israel's going to be restored. And when she has this son, yeah, that will also be a sign, according to Micah five three, that Israel will be restored. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when she was first abducted by Hades, or oh, you're talking about Persephone. Um. Well, yeah, but isn't isn't that what you're talking about? She represents. She's represented by the goat. Well, now you're going way 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 back. I actually believe that was a pre-Adamic era, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's really, I want to get to the crux of this, because so, I really want people to understand about, you know, why that tree of knowledge of good and evil was in the tree in the first, was in the garden in the first place, and how evil became to be uh, in situ in that. Okay, uh, just real quick, those trees, in my estimation, they represent entities. Yeah. Uh, it's not explicitly in the text, but this has to do with Asherah, uh, which is also Persephone. The yeah. Asherah pole. The Asherah pole actually used to be in the Temple of Solomon. That's a huge subject right there. It w at one time, there's no question it was there, but they, they said to take it out, okay, at, at some point. But it actually, if you go to, um, I'm not exactly sure where this is, um, but in Scripture it actually refers to, um, to wisdom as a feminine being. Um, it, it refers to it as a tree. And I think that the tree of life has to do with the mother and the father. And the the other tree has to do with uh, Asherah and her consort. Okay, so the mother and father is Adam and Eve? Or is that God and the female? No, um, the, the, the heavenly mother and father. Okay. So, but, that, but that's one individual there. One, one um, being, one being. Or is it two? Is, is it two? Well, there's, I mean, I, I believe there's two distinct minds, but uh, it, it's both. It's kind of like um, a cross between one and two. <laughs> you know what I mean? In some in some aspects, it's two, and in other aspects, it's one. I, I, I'd say primarily two. Um, she doesn't separate from him. That's that's the main thing. They're always together. Where the son and the daughter has to do with separation and emanation. There's a huge theological cover-up in my estimation they stole away the concept of uh, of emanation you'll see no discussion of it in Christian theology um, they believe in uh, creation out of nothing which um, scholars will actually admit that it's not explicitly taught in the, in the Bible anyway they, they have to say that because they don't have any evidence and so the other only other option is is pagan monism um, that everything is, you know, one substance, and that substance is divine, which would either be panentheism uh, or the, the more commonly known pantheism. There's no, and, and what I've said on my show over and over, you have these undiscussed middle positions consistently, right down the theological development or non-development of history. And once you see these patterns, and you have enough redundancy, you can see that someone is suppressing things, and I actually say that we're under a corporate judgment of God, and God has done this. He's, he's taken all the way this vital truth from us as a punishment. Christianity is not what it appears to be. It can't be if you uh, hold that this Elijah figure that's going to come to restore everything in Matthew 17, 11, is not John the Baptist. And he can't be because he, John the Baptist was dead 
So that's going to collapse very quickly. So now Jesus is prophesying a corrupt religious system, and that's what we call Christianity. And it has all this lost information that needs to be restored, and Christians don't have a clue. And the reason they don't is God has basically blinded them, and there's all kinds of prophecies about that too. Um, but but uh, that's in order to fulfill prophecy, I guess that's the same situation that the Jews were under when they Absolutely. didn't recognize the heavenly in fact, Messiah. God has to bring about the corruption in order to fulfill the prophecy. Absolutely. So these two trees, then, they're they're, they're basically representative of of, of races or species. Um, um, I, I don't make a real big thing about that. I actually believe that's a theory, but um, they represent um, a pair. Um, the dark, well, the the dark, a, a quaternity. Uh, half of them is dark and half of them is light. These are the these are the ones that sit at the very top of hierarchy on the side of light and dark. But the tree of wisdom is not an individual. Well, it's an individual, but they, then there's like there's, there's other creations, obviously within God's creation, other than these, oh, yeah. uh, other than these uh, hierarchical beings. You know, there's, there's, there's well, I'd imagine there's all sorts of species and. Ooh, which you know, uh, I'd imagine these archangels and these councils oversee and make sure everything's kept in a sort of a mm -hmm. harmonious. They have their own. They have their own dark council of seventy. They have an op everything is an opposite. This is the basis for what co scholars call cosmic dualism. But that dark, that dark uh, aspect is not part of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Or that's part of the tree of life. Well, I mean, dark, uh, dark. The concept of darkness is is, is a difficult uh, term because uh, everyone has a measure of darkness. See, the scripture says that God is light, and in Him there's no darkness at all. Now, every being before, uh, the, below the Father has less brightness, mm. and the reason they have less brightness is because darkness is mingled with the light. I've said on my show that you cannot see the light without darkness. Did, because did, humans did that, are not able to see uh, bright light that's from the Father. They can't process it. It actually blinds you. So the only way that you can see it is to have darkness mingled with it. So there's always darkness mingled with everything. Yeah, and that, also, there's no true darkness like as far as black. Everything emanates light. Everything is light. And everything, at, at the least, has a murky light. So you're really talking about different shades of gray. But did that darkness come as a consequence of what Persephone did, or is that a different type of darkness you're talking about? The, the darkness was confined to a cavernous region, we could just call the underworld. Hades? This is compatible with the ancient uh, cosmology that everyone had. Um, the reason we have darkness in the first place is because God extracted light from beings that already existed that were pristine, because he wanted to illustrate something in this great cosmic drama. This is why it says in... Uh, Proverbs 16:4. God made everything for Himself. It has nothing to do with the creature, and it says even the wicked for the day of evil. And so what He did, He extracted light for them, and prepared them for a, a role, uh, like in a big chess game or a morality play. That's what they're actually doing there with the chessboard. Is they're illustrating that. And he did he foresee the uh, the incident with uh, Hades then abducting Isabella. Yeah, in my view, it's all predestined. Okay. It has to be predestined because um, biblical typology is so complex and biblical prophecy is so complex that you, you, can't, you can't play around with things, otherwise you're going to have failure. God has to guide everything. And I've developed a theory that all this can occur without violating the freedom of man because God is incapable of failure 
he can do what he wants, and so he can work right through your freedom because he has an inscrutable knowledge of secondary causes. He can get you to do what he wants you to do without violating your freedom. Yeah. So that applies to Lucifer now, the original. Um, now, what happened to him? Would you say that's consequence of darkness being leaked into creation via the Persephone incident, or is that something completely different? Because some will argue that th 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 he was infected by this darkness and therefore he wasn't responsible for his own... Uh, he was created that way uh, for a role. And right. Through no fault of his own, in my estimation. So God created yeah. iniquity within him and then he always had this role to play. Well, he just... He equipped him with a dark nature and he, he made them... He made him a ruler over a realm of darkness. Okay, so the darkness was confined to that realm... Oh, we're talking about Hades or Lucifer? Cause... Hades. Well, okay. it's the same, be same being. I I'm simplifying it because I think there's two adversaries. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. But I don't want to get into all that right now. I don't want to confuse I don't want to confuse listeners. Cause I, I, I do so this is, this is the being that I, in the older podcast, I called uh, Azazel. Yeah, but to yeah. simplify it, we're calling him Hades right now. You yep. know, it's, it's, it's this Old Testament Satan. Okay. And the darkness was confined to his realm. And when she went down there, she became culpable or responsible at some level, even though basically she was abused. And so she was responsible, according to the tradition, of, of basically leaking this darkness out of that realm. And this is the basis for Pandora's box. Yep. Persephone is also Pandora, and most Christians would assume that that's the pagan version of the fall of Adam and Eve. It's not. It's something that precedes that. Okay, but <clears throat> I understand that there's two adversaries. There's one in below and one... Um... The latter adversary is actually a fallen celestial being. The first one is, is one that God Great basically goodness. designed him to be that way, to, to be an adversarial role. Uh, so, obviously, God had God knew things were going to occur, and he, he's made a prison. He, he's, he's... No, he didn't... Um, he didn't um... You know, look into the future and discern the future. He designed the future. Oh, no, yeah, I know, that's what I mean, but obviously he knew everything. It's a real simple concept. Um, when you build a house, you have a plan, unless you're a fool, right? Mm. So God's not engaged on a fool's errand. He has a plan. Now, all Christians will admit that God has a plan, right? And so and we're going to talk about one more thing now. God planned ahead of time. Well, that's what you do when you have a plan. And that's basically it. That's what predestination is. Mm. Um, the, the reason that Christians don't process that well is because they don't understand it because the, con the, the consequences and because they don't like it on an emotional level. That's, that's basically it. So God knew this all the way even when the, within the golden age as they say. Um, but the whole point of all of this drama is to get back to what was uh, really the, the, the point of it is to glorify God. That's all. That's the point of everything. It's, it's always, it has to always be that way because that's the highest achievable good. So God can't really do anything else besides that because that'd be inconsistent with his nature. He doesn't plan anything based on a philosophical good outside of himself. Mm. And that's why it says there in Proverbs 16:4, God made everything for who? Himself. Okay. So let's say we go through this whole drama, everything goes out perfectly, and then we get back to this perfected golden age. Uh, negative characters have been taken care of. Creation has been restored to its level before darkness uh, infected it via certain characters, Persephone, for example, whatever. 
Now, will Lestle be a place like Hades in that situation, or will that be gone? Is there, is there an end goal to all of this, or is it the whole thing going to happen again? Uh, supposedly there's a great secret. Uh, Christ is the primary light giver, and uh, he, he brings light to the Persephone figure. This is why they give her a torch. Yeah. This is the Statue of Liberty. And she brings light to that realm and restores... What God likes to do is, is restore things... In, in the opposite way of the way it was corrupted. So if you corrupted it, guess who's going to restore it? You are. Yes. You get the toy. Yes, I understand. This, and, and you think <laughs> about this, God likes drama because he's trying to illustrate something. The purpose of the illustration is to glorify himself perfectly. You cannot come up with a better drama than the person that caused the problem in the first place is the one that's going to solve it or have a, a role in solving it. And that's the question I wanted to ask you because... Um uh, I've had many discussions where, you know, people talk about... Can I just say one more thing? She gives him light, and supposedly he brings light to his realm, and everything gradually becomes lighter again. It's, and there's different stages of restoration. Everything is restored eventually. So, so Persephone restores her light, and that, that, that's really at the lower level. That's Earth as well, isn't it? So, and well, She actually restores the one that corrupted her. He corrupted her, and she restores him. So it's actually a... And, uh, okay, here we go. This is the basis for the Beauty and the Beast. So we're talking about and Hades. So we're talking about Hades. Out us in different forms. Yeah. So Hades corrupted her, and then she's going to restore. So God restores her. She's going to restore him lovingly. It's amazing. So that means that there's no place for Hades after all of this is said and done. No, everything is restored. If you interpret uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 20 literally. You ha the, the only alternative is that everything is... Re if something has been created, it's going to be restored. You have to violate the text and start spiritualizing things. You can't get out of it. Okay. It's just simple. If the Christians, they've been propagandized. Um, the doctrine of universalism, there's different types of it. It was anathematized. But who anathematized it? Uh, the Illuminati. Mm. <laughs> so what does that tell you? That should make you a little bit suspicious. So I hold to a middle view that hell is not eternal. I'm not a nihilationist, yeah, yeah. but yeah, there's a middle view but that you don't hear people talk about. So, so you, you're you're referring to hell as Hades, then? That's what. But I, no, I, hell and Hades are two different things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's based on a mistranslation in in the, in the King James Bible. What I actually believe is deliberate, because there's no scholars that will stand behind that. that they're mistranslating the word Hades in the King James Bible is is hell. And that's a different, it's a different word. So, all the people who take the mark of the beast, they will have no place within this re restored creation after all of this is said and done, right? So, in a sense, they get blotted out of creation? Uh, no, that's the annihilation issue. There's different stages of restoration, so all those people are doomed. Um, you know, Peter talked about those who have no hope. There are people that have no hope. They're what the Bible calls reprobate. If you're reprobate, you're doomed. In um, what way Romans, do you mean? What, what way do you mean doomed? Then is that a permanent thing? You're or? going to you're going to go to hell. But you're saying that that's not permanent. So that's right. What happens? So, so the, even, and not even, only that, there, there's another level of restoration. I believe that the entire creation is dissolved eventually, and only spirits remain. And so hell itself, if it even existed. That's an assumption. It would be destroyed, basically. Yeah, along with the, along with the people who 
who took the mark of the beast. So you're, that, that, that is a form of nihilism in a sense that those souls will be blotted out of creation. Uh, no, they uh, they suffer in hell. They they have uh, they have bodies. Uh, this is very interesting. They have resurrected bodies yeah. in hell, and they they suffer uh, at different levels. They're holistic beings. They're resurrected beings. And I take what it says there in Revelation 14 literally. If you take uh, the mark, uh, you're you're doomed. Yeah, but. But it, will they be going for another form of tribulation then at that level in order to be restored later? Um, I believe that they will um, they they will leave um, you know the lake of fire one by one or possibly in groups. This is what Jesus was talking about when he had this parable and he says he will not get out. He's come out of prison until he pays the last farthing. Mm. I don't believe the Bible teaches that this concept of infinite punishment for finite sin. Your sins are finite. That's a fact. So Christians believe that God is going to punish you for all uh, eternity for finite sin. Mm. Now, I actually believe that that doctrine is from the adversary. Yeah. Because whether we, whatever view you have of hell, that's the biggest impediment to a non-Christian accepting the Christian faith. Because it, 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 it directly affects the nature of God, how you perceive God. And I actually believe that it's, it's, it's slander. But obviously that, that's all done for psychological reasons, you know, against people who, who may not like that sort of uh, father who... Well, the Illuminati actually promote that view on the History Channel. You can see the things that they promote, and you can see things that they will never talk about. They will never talk about the possibility that there could be sexual activity or genuine pleasure in heaven. There's, there's an agenda to make heaven boring. Now, we know that. All we got to do is remember, go back to your memory banks. When did they ever make uh, heaven pleasurable on television? Can you remember one time? Well, I remember seeing a nice scene with some clouds and some harps. That was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That, that's the boring propaganda. <laughs> okay, so now it's a little bit more complicated with hell, because they have two different versions of hell to sell you. They have Dante's hell. Mm. He was a propagandist, too. I actually believe that he was a 19th century figure that they moved backward in time. That's an interesting subject right there. Okay, but anyway... Um, basically, hell is not as severe as they're going to tell you it is. Now, they have propaganda about a quote-unquote Christian hell. This is the hell that you see on these Christian documentaries like on television, okay? That hell is more severe. Now ask yourself this question. If they're going to present a Christian hell, do you think they'd want to make it more severe or less severe? Because they're not going to give you the straight truth. Uh, what do you think it would be? Okay. They're going to make it more severe. Uh, well, Because that's, that's going to affect people on, on a mental level. I guess they don't want to do anything to, get to attract people to, to God, you see? Well, um, yeah, I guess, I guess it would be both, I guess. It, 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 it they don't want to attract you to heaven, either. Yeah, they'll make it... Okay, so now they, this, other, this other hell that they sell you, that's the ACDC hell, which is completely fantastical, has no basis in reality, and, and yeah, hell is a big party. Mm -hmm. They push that, too. Okay, those are the two extremes. Now, notice how they all, I talk about these polarities and undiscussed middle, right? They push the extremes. That's exactly what they're doing there. So the truth is... God's either going to punish you cruelly for all eternity because he really hates you and he despises you, or it's going to be a big, big party there's nothing to worry about. 
That's what they push. So the, the, see, the propaganda is obvious when you have an undiscussed middle. They're, they're, they're hiding something from you. <laughs> so the undiscussed middle will be that it, um, the but, truth. But it doesn't hate you, but it won't be that much of a big party. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just that hell, see, hell is long and hell is, is horrible, but it's not eternal. That's all I'm saying. But that will, that now, I also hold to the view, which I can't prove, that we all volunteer to go there to glorify God. And we're, everyone is a martyr. We're all martyrs. We're all suffering. That's a fact. So the question is, did we agree to this? This is a very interesting subject. But there's so many people in the world that... Well, there's so, there's so much suffering, I understand, but there's so many people who are just going about their day not realizing anything's going on. And they don't seem to be suffering. Well, I guess, well, I guess they will do at some point, but it's... Um, but yeah, it's you know I I always remember this uh, this phrase from the Matrix where Cipher says you know ignorant is bliss, <laughs> and you know it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Sometimes truth can set you free, and sometimes it can really make you depressed because it's like you know there's people really living their lives not really knowing what's going on. You know, and uh, I guess I used to look at that negatively, but there actually is value in not knowing. Um, the Bible teaches both. It, Solomon's, well, the, the author of uh, Ecclesiastes said that um, that knowledge brings sorrow. Uh, but David also said that wisdom brightens a man's face. Um, both is true in proper context. You're going to suffer having greater awareness. But I think and you're also going to suffer by being ignorant. I've talked yeah, about that. Uh, yeah, on the show. of course, of course. You know, um, when certain things happen, people—I guess it's all about spreading out the suffering. I mean, if you're on this journey over a long period of time, you can spread that that uh, suffering, I guess, over a longer period uh, and, and customize yourself to it. I suppose some people are going to be really going to be woken up in a very sort of sudden way, and um, everything is going to be pouring down on them very rapidly. And I guess that's that's. The difference between the people who are mm -hmm. who appear to be blissful now and un unaware, uh, and you can't wake him up because everything, as far as they're concerned, is all dandy. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's um, interesting. <clears throat> now the fact is, is that we're all under a Genesis three curse. Yeah. Uh, the fact is, the great majority of Christians are in denial of this, so they're they're delusional too. We throw around that word a lot. And what I'm saying here is that we all volunteered. And, you know, even if this is God's plan and we didn't really have a choice, we still willingly agreed with him because of our great love for him uh, to lay down our lives, come down here and suffer on his behalf to glorify him in this great cosmic drama. And you will not hear people talk about that and you can't disprove that position. I can't prove it either, but it's something that I hold to because it makes a lot of sense. So there's no... Uh, okay, I understand maybe all souls originate from the Father, but... In other words, you agree we go to hell, sufferers, a martyr. But is this, is it, are we are we in a hell now, or no? No, 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 no. That's kind of a new agey type. All right. So the so the people who are going to go into this place, they've agreed already that yes, I'm going to be a complete um, zombie meathead and not wake up, and then I'm going to be a sinner and go to hell and suffer in hell. Is that what you're saying? They 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 are, they've agreed to that, and therefore. Well, imagine God on the throne, and he says, um, here's my plan for you. Do you agree with it? And he says, yes, Father, I choose to glorify you. It's kind of like, I'm talking about an upper heaven, 
I call it the uncreative realm. It's not really a heaven. Um, heaven is a created place, and you cannot use scripture to prove that your spirit is uh, created. That's another truth that they mm. stole away from us. So in the superior realm, there, these people have such an unbelievable love for the Father. It, you can't even um, communicate it. It's like, uh, are you willing to jump off this cliff because you love the Father so much? Go ahead. I'll do it in a second. You know what I mean? And that's like kind of like going to hell. Yes, oh, like, I will do this. Why wait to glorify him? <laughs> God's like, why wait a second? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to clearly <laughs> illustrate it, you know. Okay, interesting. Because <clears throat> I'm trying to, I'm trying to work out people, you know, uh, on this planet. Because yeah. it's, it, it, it really baffles me that I don't know. Are they seem so lifeless avatars without spirit and light and it's it's a strange thing to to think that they existed in a higher level and have come down here and they're just completely because you know some people you know as you say will, will incarnate here for a particular reason and I guess if you're not fulfilling that purpose then there's some sort of spiritual kick up the arse in order to get you on a, a certain track it doesn't seem to be the case for the majority of people in the world Unless that's what they've chosen to do. And you're saying well, that... Well, the great majority of people are reprobate. So if you just look at the simple basics, um, you know, looking at this thing externally, this does not look like, look, look like it's a good plan if God is trying to oh, help no. everybody. Yeah. I mean, he could have got over 50% in, into, uh, you know, they don't have to go to hell, but most people are going to plunge into hell. And the Christians do not, do not have an explanation for this. They just ignore it. <clears throat> just like they ignore what God did at the Great Flood. Uh, it was a massive slaughter involving all animals, um, infants, and uh, children in the womb, and uh, people who were you know, relatively good. Yes. Compared with us, compared with us, these people were less wicked than we are. We, I don't think people understand that. So in some sense, and I, I believe that God's going to do this again. By the way, uh, he doesn't need. See, before they had, they did. He couldn't use technology. This time, he's going to use technology. And I actually believe that we everything is ready to go. It's embedded in us right now, and he basically just has to flip the switch. The Illuminati are going to do it, and we'll all be destroyed, basically. That's my view. On this, on a, on a physical. There, yeah. Yeah, the, the, I didn't used to believe this. I was opposed to it because I didn't believe that God would do something like that. Uh, but he's already done it before, and I believe that he's done it again. In the first century, there was a massive worldwide cataclysm fire, and they covered all that up. Um, but that, back then, you had to have a physical cataclysm to destroy. Because, see, we're, I believe we're more wicked. If, see, I'm a devolutionist. So if you're a devolutionist, you understand that everything is deteriorating across the board. It has to do with God's creation. So I don't have to sit here and speculate about whether or not we're more wicked. Mm. We're more wicked than Judah. The scripture says Judah was more wicked than Sodom. And uh, we're more wicked than all these generations. And we deserve to be destroyed more. So we should not be surprised, but people are surprised. This generation um, qualifies in, in all of history as the one that should be destroyed and eliminated mm. more than anybody else. And you can either process that or you can't. That's just a fact. Yet you're saying that a lot of these people have chosen to incarnate here at this time. 
Uh, they don't. They don't choose. They may agree with God's plan, but they don't have the power to. That's a new age view that you get. Uh, I see. Okay. I mean, that's my just my yeah. wording. So obviously, they if the plan, no problem, we'll do it. When we get when they get here, they can't remember a thing. Yeah, he removes <coughs> the memory just real quick. There's different types of reincarnation here that you never hear about. So I hold to the view that was um, reasonably popular in the post-apostolic era because Origen was a huge, massive influence, and you had all these Originists. And some of them are very famous. These are people that were actually in these church councils and stuff like that, like the two Gregories. And they were Universalists, by the way, as well. I mean, so if you're going to say that's a heresy, then what are these guys doing on these authoritative church councils that you believe in? You know what I mean? Mm. So anyway, um, they he held to the view that you have an eternal series of created worlds. The Christian dumbed-down view is that they talk about this eternal age. There's no eternal age in the Bible. It, it says right in uh, Ephesians that um, there's a plurality of ages beyond the first century. And so that's, that's going to crash immediately there. And, uh, but they just believe there's one eternal age. And there's no discussion of what I call dissolution, where everything is dissolved on a material level. And, see, this is an inferior uh, state that we're in. Mm. Anytime you have density, you have inferiority. Um, You'll realize that as soon as you get out of your body, that your entire life had to do with some degree of suffering. You know what I mean? You just don't have the awareness right now. We've gotten used to that. You're not free. <laughs> You're not free. You're, You're bound. And this is not the Gnostic view. This is more of a middle position, by the way. Well, they take that and they run with it. Well, what do you think of the, the book of Adam and Eve? Is that... Well, just a second. What I want to say is that the there's another type of reincarnation, which I believe in. I'm just going to simplify it, okay? It's normative... According to Hebrews 9.27, that each soul incarnates one time, mm. but that the entire world is dissolved eventually. You see that? Yeah. And so then you have this long inter, inter, intermediate period of time, extremely long, because creation itself, a dense creation, but tension of light, a tension between light and darkness, that, that's not normative. That's kind of a, a historical anomaly. And then you always have time because time relates to motion. Yeah. And you go back to the superior, uncreated realm, which is our true eternal home, both in the past and the future, and then God wants to illustrate something again. And I actually say that it has to do with kind of like rebooting your computer. You don't really have sin necessarily, but you kind of have this residual little stuff that builds up and says, we got to do something about this. And so anyway, he chooses to create again, and then you incarnate again. Well, that's reincarnation. And that's what Origen taught, that he's largely misunderstood. So there's, there's periods of lessons being taught, and uh, people who choose to incarnate here are about learning lessons, which fundamentally is to glorify the, 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 the Father, as well as... It may be that they choose to, um, you know, in other words, you can, you can either participate or not. Um, I hold to the view that the 70 don't really have a choice. Um... We don't need to get into all that right now, but... Okay, so I imagine that's what makes them a 70, but there's billions of people. The 70 uh, are privileged. Why are, they, why are they privileged as opposed to... I mean, I know there's so many different kinds. Because they're elite and they're hierarchical ranking. And that's not a, everything has to do with hierarchy, and that's why the hierarchy was taken away. Everything in the ancient world had to do with hierarchy. Everything with Illuminati has to do with hierarchy. So this is why Christians run around in, in a mental stupor talking about equality. 
that is theological propaganda. It's completely ludicrous, and you, it's not taught anywhere in the Bible. Do you think some uh, entities can incarnate as a type of, like, job interview? Like, I want that role. Okay, you have to go through this experience in order to qualify for it. Is that some of the personal motivations for certain individuals doing that? Or is it just, okay, I'll do it just to glorify you and show you how much I love you, Father? Is, is it? Because it's, it's almost this hierarchy. No, because, has, has to be placed um, certain... their roles are scripted. So they they're made for that. Possibly, they're made for that. If they volunteer, it's for a scripted role. So they God have... makes them in that way for a particular... Yeah. He uh, he designed you for a particular role in uh, a cosmic battle between light and dark. And most people, in the short term, are dark. It makes for better drama. So what happens to all the... Okay, what happens to the bride? What happens the bride? All, yeah, what happens to the people who are saved? It, that, their role is just to come here, go for this uh, torment, get saved, overcome... Go back into creation, golden age again. Lessons learnt. Is that it, or is there a separation? What 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 separates the bride from I don't know the rest of the heathens who who haven't overcome? Is there well, any it's, it's not anything found within themselves. You don't have any merit. Merit is everything that the creature has, according to the Protestant reformers, is a gift of God. There's nothing from yourself that mm. has any. Value. This is why Jesus said, why do you call me good? No man is good but God. Now, whatever you think about how he applied that to himself, he's saying that no man is good. But this is why Jesus referred to his own disciples as evil. Now, imagine now, these are the guys that he's working on and initiating. You know what I mean? He said, mm -hmm. the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have, have been given to you, but not to them. Nevertheless, he said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Now, we don't think of Christians as being evil, do we? Mm. But they are, according... See, and the reason they are is because in that particular instance, there was a, there was a, there's a vertical comparison between God and man. Most of the time, the scripture has a horizontal comparison between the wicked and, and the righteous. But in other places, it reveals that the reason that they're righteous is because of the gift of God. He made them that way. This is why it says that their gifts are prepared beforehand in, in Ephesians chapter 2. But then you go to Romans chapter 3, and it says no one is righteous. That's talking about all humanity. See, we've all been corrupted radically. People don't realize how radically man has fallen. Man has fallen more than the animal kingdom. Dolphins didn't fall as far and our devolution is accelerated. Mm -hmm. I see. <clears throat> so someone can say, well, God, you never gave me any light, so how could I overcome anything? Well, ultimately, you're not responsible, though the Bible teaches that God is responsible in uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 19 onward. He's the one that got us into this mess. It says it has nothing to do with the will of the, of the, of the creation. This is why um, the fate of, uh, of uh, Jacob... And Esau was determined, it says, before they had done anything good or bad. So it has nothing whatsoever to do with the, with the will of the creature. Yeah. The, the creature can't determine his fate anyway because um, he can't even act independently of God. And uh, he can't sustain his own being, and that's why he can't act. God has to sustain your own being. He actually empowers you to sin. He has to enable you to sin. Okay. 
I know that Christians don't believe that, but that's what the Bible teaches. They don't do philosophy or theology. Okay. Okay, let's get that question. Uh, Book of Adam and Eve. What do you think of that? Mm-hmm. Uh, we really don't know much about those kind of texts. Um, it has a lot of uh, significant truth in it. Uh, whoever um, was responsible for that, I think they were putting truth in there, but it, at the very least it suffered from significant corruption problems. And the, mm-hmm. and the problem is we, we can't measure it. This is, this is basically the issue across the board. We don't have enough information about these ancient texts, and that actually includes the Book of Enoch, unfortunately. You know? yeah. uh, but the same thing is true with the Bible, uh, ultimately now, okay? because there's no, we don't have any a single authority uh, that can uh, infallibly say that a single word uh, was a scribal edition or was not a scribal edition in any particular text. You can't do that kind of thing. We have too much lost knowledge because basically we lost control of the text. This is a conspiratorial view. And no one can prove this wrong, by the way. In the medieval era, there was a system of control. There was no middle class. We lost access to the Bible. Christians have been sold a fairy tale that these people were actually Christians. You know, the hierarchy of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, you can't prove any of that. And you also can't prove that any of these people were Christians in these councils. I can't disprove it. It seems highly unlikely because they, they controlled everything. In the medieval era, there was a system of control. <clears throat> and Christians don't think about this. And the things that we know about the ancient world and the medieval era, they actually flow through this medieval system of control, which is called the Roman Catholic Church, which you and I don't trust. Mm. So Christians have not even got to uh, square one. They don't realize who they're trusting. You don't trust them for anything. So you have uncertainty about all ancient texts. And by the way, all these ancient texts, we don't have original copies, obviously. It's, all we have is these dusty medieval manuscripts, and they can, can be forgeries. We don't, God has to restore these things. We don't have certainty. That's one of the things that is the punishment is confusion and uncertainty. See, we used to have certainty about a lot of things like genealogies because you had protected documents in the temple, and we lost that. We lost protection of everything across the board, and Christians don't realize this. After the temple was destroyed, and God destroyed that theocracy, we lost protection across the board. We became pilgrims in what the Bible calls the diaspora in James 1.1. 1, 1. Mm. And we're under, the, we're under the gun. And you can see that now. So you have this quiet war, which Christians are vastly ignorant of. It's all around you. Everything has been weaponized. I can't think of anything that hasn't been weaponized on a significant level. I'm talking about something significant, you know what I mean? They are blissfully unaware of this. It's killing them every day in this ongoing quiet war. And the reason they don't know, um, you know, that chemotherapy is deadly is because God has not informed them. He's only telling a few Christians somewhat curiously. Or, or you know, the dangers of vaccines. Um, yeah. They don't know. Their pastors don't know. They're, they're clueless. You know. God has not enlightened them. Now, I'm saying that if he's not going to tell you what a chemtrail is, then there's a problem there. Because if God was withholding knowledge from you, the Christians don't believe that. Well, he's doing that because we're all under a corporate judgment. I put that in the title of our last podcast, Corporate Judgments. They don't... Yeah. Israel was under corporate <coughs> judgments. They weren't aware of it. The prophets came and told them. They rejected it. We're under a corporate judgment. We're not aware of it either. The reason is, is that Part, the, the corporate judgment has to do with spiritual blindness. That's why we don't even know what's going on. We're basically clueless. In fact, I put clueless Christians in the last title of the podcast. 
Yeah. It's self-evident that we're clueless. It all comes down to one thing, SC. Is it, is it important that we're being sprayed like an insect from the sky and all these diabolical toxins? You've got aluminum dust all over your hands and it's all, all through your hair, okay? Here's the question. Do you think that's important? Of course it is. Are Christians aware of this? No. So there you go. It's that simple. Well, they not, not informed them. He hasn't informed them. So why why is it then you feel that some people wake up and then they try to <clears throat> just wake up everybody? It's all, always the same reason uh, whether the soul rises or falls is because God gives or withholds sufficient grace, and that's the position of the Protestant reformers. I'm just restating it. Mm. Now, the reason that their position is important is because that's the greatest restoration of truth, according to scholars in uh, you know Christian history. Their opinion is important. <coughs> okay. Now, um... I was having a discussion with someone, and I was going, "Oh, you know, all of this is all orchestrated, it's all coming about. You got Christ doing his bit, coming down, and he's the redeemer, and everything else, and um, everyone's playing a role. And um, when, when this is all said and done, you know, I, I was saying, like, what's what's Adam doing? I mean, like, he he sort of um, partly responsible for all of this, and uh, and um, then you've got this sun coming down." Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, Yeshua, you want to call him, doing his bit, and he restores things and whatever. I mean, is Adam just watching Netflix while this is all going on? And um, one of the things I've recently become aware of, and I think you've been speaking about this, is regards Christ being Adam. Mm -hmm. And what you said before was about certain people who were responsible for certain things, taking responsibility for it and correcting that. Can you speak a bit more about that then, in terms of? Adam? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow a few brains out there. Oh yeah, this is definitely. something that I can absolutely prove in Scripture, and uh, you can't can't disprove it because the evidence is overwhelming. So I've said that Adam is Christ, okay. right on the podcast. I did that spontaneously. I didn't expect to do that. Now remember that your Bible says that Adam is the son of God. That's fact number one. Luke. 338. You can't deny that. It uses the definite article. So now we have two, these sons of God. Okay? Fact number two, Christians don't believe that. Fact number three, they don't talk about it or discuss it or even refute it. They just, fact number four, because they ignore it. Now that means we've got a pink flag at the very least. We've got a problem here. And you will see these things over and over and over again. Now what I'm going to say is that the Davidic king is actually Christ. And I've got a buddy here called, uh, you know, White Raven. He figured this out for himself, okay? It always goes back to the same fundamental problem. We have a, a misperception of Christ's nature. It's true that in the first century, he was sinless. He had to be to be the spotless lamb, okay? But what I'm saying is that Adam came back to repair his own fault. To make atonement, you see, this actually makes perfect sense. The Jehovah's Witnesses kind of have a concept about this, by the way. Okay, okay. One quick question then: Where, if Christ is Adam, Adam has Eve, but then you just, then you said that Persephone is this Davidic king's um, uh, her lower uh, form. Okay, so there's a. Uh, well, actually, her, inc her incarnate form. Her incarnate form. So, 
Persephone is connected to Eve? Are they the no. same soul? This is where it gets this is where it gets complex. There's a, there's a daughter of God. See, you would naturally draw the um, the conclusion that the human mind always wants to simplify things in order to make things more uh, more understandable. And the Illuminati know that. That's why they uh, they capitalize on that and, and make propaganda more effective. They make things simple instead of complex, so you can internalize their propaganda. Okay. But actually, there's a daughter of God, like I mentioned, and you would, you would just assume that that's Persephone, but it's not. There's another, that's why I said there's, I used to believe this myself, so I didn't, I didn't know. And, you know, why did you come up with this conclusion, Dave? Well, that, that's a long story, okay? But um, people will actually conclude that it's all the same female entity, but I, I don't believe that. So, let me just say this real quick. Um, Hierarchy does not change in the 70, whether you're talking about the 70 or the 140, but when you have these different uh, cosmic dramas all through eternity, you have different role players. Okay, so you might have somebody that's number 70 and they have a prominent role in this particular drama. So in this particular drama, the little one, Persephone, she's least in rank of the seven. These are the seven sisters now. Mm. She has the prominent role, and the daughter of God herself has a somewhat secondary role, at, at least as far as in the short term. <clears throat> in this cycle. Do that so far, she'll eventually become the queen of heaven, or excuse me, of, um, she's already the queen of heaven. She, she's going to become the queen of, she's queen of um, the yeah. underworld, the queen of heaven, and she's also the greatest queen in world history. She will be. And they do all these things a long time ago, and uh, you could speculate that even she knew about it. Um, because those beings back there were far superior to us. I mean, you, people have no idea how, how much man has evolved. It's completely off the charts. We're inferior across the board. That's how you know they're lying to you on a massive scale about, you know, uh, lifespans and mortality rates with infants. It's just a pack of lies because they're trying to, they're pushing evolution, which is the 180 degree uh, propaganda opposite. And so they have to make ancient man inferior. They were superior across the board. Okay. Again, back to they this. were massive, muscular men, by the way. Big. That's how David was able to slay a lion with his hands. Same with Samson. Maybe the lions were a bit smaller back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> they were probably. You have to, you have to consider the middle position, Dave. <clears throat> now. It all comes down to one thing. There's a higher concentration of the ethers. Uh, the electromagnetic field of the Earth is stronger, and everything is bigger because of that. When you have a reduction in electromagnetism, everything shrinks. There's less, less life. Okay. So, Crisis Adam, there's a, there's, his consort is Eve in the heaven. He's a part of that quad. Uh, yeah, he does have a consort. He comes down here, and then he's got, like, this Persephone counterpart. No. He's got this Persephone sort of um, consort uh, in reflection to his incarnation. Well, see, that's what's actually going on there in Revelation 12. It's implied. And I believe that the bride in Revelation 22 is, is the double metaphor. It, it's, 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 a, it's a corporate body that's also a singular woman. Okay. This is what, um, okay. So, does... Christ have like um, I suppose like a sailor has a girl at every port does Christ have like a um, a partner at every sort of dimension every sphere of 
everything that God created has an opposite. If you knew that principle, then you would not fall for this propaganda that he doesn't. Yeah, but what I'm thinking, you've got that seven, which is the, the seven sisters, and they obviously have this, they have a counterpart. So I would imagine mm-hmm. that the seventh star, the seventh male star, was naturally the the counterpart of she's Isabella. she's elevated to a role that yes. is above her normal capacity. Okay, so what what replaces her position then from her original seventh position? Because obviously there's a, well, there's a, there's I a believe ma- that he's I believe that he's married to both the the daughter of God and this Persephone figure, and that's what the Song of Songs is about. It's all prophetic. We've talked about this in some detail, but there's two women there. Okay, so there's what, what about the, what about the, the seventh mouth? In the hierarchy, the, what, what, I mean, are these counterparts the? Are they, she, okay, now she has a counterpart. Everyone has a counterpart in heaven. She has a counterpart, and her counterpart is his name is Serakio, or you Rakia. call him Serak, and he, he's the, the the angel of seventh in rank. And you actually see this like on Wikipedia. People used to know these things. They have names. But the counterparts, they're not like couples, are they? I mean, he's got his own. They're not. They're, they're couples, but they're not uh, like, a, like a wife and a husband. There's no marriage. Okay. But they have equal, they have like functions. So, so for example, uh, the, everyone has a counterpart. The chancellor in the UK and there's a chancellor in France. So they do the same role, but they're not like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, partnered up sort of thing. But I just want to say real quick that um, I made a snap decision there to reveal. I, I made a huge revelation there in the Persephone podcast, which people were ignoring. Because they're looking at that and they're going, that has to do with paganism. I'm more interested <laughs> in Christianity. I thought that was the best podcast I ever did. But I revealed uh, that Adam was Christ. And so basically, I was going to say here earlier that I believe that Adam comes back as, <laughs> as, as, you know, as David. So all you got to do is put the pieces together and then ask me the question, do you believe that Adam is Christ? Yes. Now, the, the reason I did that is I am... Very confident that I can prove that in Scripture, and uh, you're going to have your hands full trying to refute it, because I don't think you can. He's not a perfect being, um, as far as, um, you know, his soul, um, apart from his first century incarnation. Mm. But that's what Christians believe. But see, Christians are not qualified (laughs) to make a judgment, because Jesus himself said that he had incarnated on earth previously, before the first century, they don't acknowledge what Scripture says. Jesus said, no man has ascended into heaven except for the Son of Man who descended from heaven. Okay? So Jesus is saying that he had ascended to heaven in a previous incarnation, but they refuse to acknowledge that. Could, can they infallibly prove that in this previous incarnation he was perfect in an absolute sense? No. So what he's saying is he, he, he incarnated as the, the Redeemer. He's claiming to be Enoch. Redeemer character. Uh, in the first he's century. claiming to be Enoch, and you can, yeah, I'll get back to he's that. He's claiming to be Enoch. Enoch, see, Enoch ascended to heaven, didn't he? Isn't that what the Bible says? Oh yes. Um, but you can't use Scripture to prove that he had a sinful nature. Where does that say that in the Bible? Okay. So maybe he didn't have so a sinful nature. Christ comes here has a sinless nature in order to fulfill that prophecy, but when he incarnates in other uh, roles, that's not such a, a big issue. He has certain things to do in other roles you say so um yeah, now the thing with adam real quick is that adam didn't have a sinful nature he willingly fell yes in my in my belief because of his love for eve which is a type of israel and the remnant and everything else okay but he was not deceived 
Yeah. Eve was deceived. Yeah. It says this right in scripture. He he willingly fell. It was his fault, okay? And in that sense that But God gave him a sinful nature. That was the punishment. So his sinful nature was by default. Okay. He didn't have one originally. So remember that when you think about oh Adam can't be Christ because he was a sinner. God gave him that. That wasn't his original nature and he was the son of God. It says right in your Bible and you Christian, you can't believe that. Oh. And you will not talk about it. You won't even try to refute it. You just ignore the passage. Okay. See that? Well, has he has Adam incarnated a few times then? Because was did he incarnate as David? <laughs> did he incarnate? As well, you're only going to get. I've already fried a few Christian brains. Oh, I'm not, I, I don't think Christians <laughs> listen to this. I don't think they're. they're, 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 they're <laughs> well, they do. They listen to mine. Well, there are some Christians. I'm but, saying that he came back. He came back as uh, he came back as David. So yeah, okay. Well, it, right now I've admitted that he's Enoch as well so far. Because that's what I'm trying to do here. These, for me, it has to make logical sense as to okay, I, I've done this. Um, it's not a case of okay, you've done this, and now we're going to create this new entity, and he's going to go down and correct all that mistake. It seems it sounds just to me for God to say, right, you, you made this mess, clear it up, you know. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he's come down at certain parts in his in history in order to play certain pivotal roles in order to yeah. fulfill certain things in, in accordance to that so that when everything is all said and done no one's going to be saying oh hey you know this person did this David did this Christ did this while Adam was mm-hmm. doing nothing so in that sense what has Eve been doing she's been incarnating as well uh, she's here right now She's here right now. Has she been? Now people she, are getting prophecies about her. Now it's, the, the prophecy thing is real simple. If you don't have a concept of the Queen of Israel, God is not going to give you any information about her. He starts with the basics, and the first thing he does is reveal that this is real. Then he gives you yeah. extracurricular information. So if you don't have any, that's, that's normal. I think anyone listening to this program now, they've gone on a journey, and I don't think there's any issue. We... Long gone, I don't think any sort of hardcore church sitting Christian is listening to this. That's why I think it's very important for the people who have pursued, especially reading my articles and listening to my podcast, it deserve to have this information. Um, and obviously, we'll obviously give them your uh, site later on so that they can you know, hear more of what you have to say as well. And I think that's what these people, my listeners, my readers, are really interested in, in knowing and connecting the dots. As yeah. opposed to the thing about me, I can explain it in detail. I usually um, the problem is that it's too much detail. I said that's enough, Dave. Yeah. So I can give you what you need. Well, no, I just, <laughs> but, here's, but here's the thing, right? A person's free. Listen uh-huh. to a podcast, download it, play it again, play it again, play it again at their own freedom until they until it clicks. As well as right. as well experience other things in in the future that then gives them uh, insight so that they can then go back and listen to it and they have that information. Now, if you censor yourself in terms of giving, not giving this information, then those people won't have that ability to go back mm-hmm. and, and listen to this information. Yeah, another reason why I said what I said is that the, the, the Davidic king is going to declare himself publicly and he's going to become king of the world. And we've all been uh, prepped to reject him as the Antichrist. But the reason I say that is this is going to happen relatively soon. I'm just going along with people's belief systems. We'll do this at the very beginning. He's coming first. The Antichrist comes later. Remember what I said about how they reverse everything? And so, obviously, they're going to get you to reject him. And he will have to be king over the world. Otherwise, he won't be the Antichrist. The Christians won't believe he's the Antichrist unless he's the king. But, that, and, but those Christians haven't got... They won't see him coming. 
But what I'm saying is, they don't see anything people, because people God's blinded them. People are listening to your podcast and people listen to mine. But the reason I say that he's going to he's going to declare that he's Christ anyway. He's not. It's not. It's going to. It's not going to be. He's going to come out and reveal everything. So well, I can, I can just, you know, laying the groundwork. Well, I can for understand it. the confusion there then, but yeah, uh, but you know, but that's something that uh, material such as this and your podcast will be there to testify. But in preparing people who have got this far, I think it's I think it's right that people who have certain knowledge can express it and at least put it down and uh, let it be recorded and put it, put it out there. Because even though we're not getting great numbers listening or whatever now, as long as it's out there, you know, and in some sense it becomes a part of the sort of collective consciousness at some point, Mm-hmm. You've got to put it out, as opposed to keeping it internalized. And I think that's what I tend to do. I just like put it out there, and um, God leads people to the information as of when, you know, and that's it. So I never, I, I, I never think about what a church sitting Christian is thinking when I'm putting together my work. I'm putting it out there. I, I, well, I, 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 I naturally assume, assume no mm-hmm. one is listening to these podcasts. Who are of that elk, you know? So um, that's what I'm trying to do here. Trying to put together this sort of scenario whereby let's put all the cards on the table. Let's give the listeners an opportunity to weigh up the pros and cons here, but also the ability to do their own research, so that they can look into this and put it into a logical way that it makes sense and that they can make that decision for themselves. And then God will then work in their life, as you say, to to give them more. Revelation, so that it backs up what they recently discovered. You see. Hey, I see. Mm. Can I just give you a little evidence uh, about this instead of giving nothing? I don't like to do that kind of thing. I'm always on, uh, uh, you know, evidence. That's the way I talk. You know, apologetically, I'm always giving evidence, evidence, because that's what I started off with, with apologetics. So I'm gonna just give you this one little. Uh, it's basically a proof text, and you'll see that Christians they're not even in the game as usual because God's blinded them. So. You have this passage in Revelation 22 where Jesus says, I am the root yeah. and the offspring of David. Now, when we say offspring, we all understand what he's talking about. He's talking about a physical lineage. Yeah. Okay? And it's important to have a little bit of background. And you can see this like in Isaiah 11 and other places where the Bible in, in, in agrarian culture, they're using a tree, branches, and roots to basically symbolize bloodlines. I mean, this is not hard. Everybody knows this, okay? So, but here's the problem. Jesus is saying that I'm the root of David. Now, this is where we get into what I call this cultic interpretation of Christians do the same thing as the Watchtower Society, Jehovah's Witnesses, okay? That's not compatible with my belief system. This is what they're doing, by the way, when the Bible talks about the beginning and the end in the same verse. They say, well, I don't believe in that there's an end of the world, so I'm going to spiritualize that text or not even talk about it because we don't... You know, when we say the beginning in Christianity, everybody knows what we're talking about, right? Genesis, the beginning. When we talk about the end, we notice that um, nobody talks about the end. See, I'm not talking about the end of an age or the end of, uh, you know, eschatological age. I'm talking about the big end, the end of creation, because that's what it's talking about there in the text, because it's in the same verse as like Ecclesiastes and also in Isaiah. Okay, so you got the same problem there. They're going to spiritualize the root, but you can't do that, you see. You can't pick and choose. If you're going to make it literal, then they both have to be literal, or spiritualize both of them. 
But you can't pick and choose. That's not how you execute scripture. That's a cultic method, by the way. And so I'm just saying that the root is literal. And he does the same thing, Isaiah 11, by the way. He says, I'm the root of Jesse. Okay? So there's no question that he's talking about a physical lineage, but was there a physical lineage that had to do with Christ before Jesse, who was David's father? Is that what Christians believe? No, they don't. Now, do they talk about this? Do they speculate it? Do they even try to refute it? No. They simply ignore it, just like they ignore Luke 3, 3.38. And guess what? There's a whole bunch of passages that they're ignoring. And, it, and the way to illustrate that is simply pointed out, and it's self-evident, they're ignoring this. Yeah, because there's no discussion. Now, if there's discussion, then they can prove something. But when you have absolute silence that something's wrong, and it illustrates my belief that God is withholding um, <clears throat> knowledge. And see, if you have a discussion, people will start thinking. Apparently, God doesn't even want them to think, because maybe if they start thinking, they start figuring out that they have a problem here. All I'm saying is that he's the root of... Um, of David. Now ask yourself this question. Who's the root of David? There's only a couple of possibilities. It's either Abraham or it's Adam. Now what would the true root be? If you go to the very bottom of a tree, what is that? The beginning. Who's the beginning? Adam. So I believe that's what it's teaching right there. But whether it, that's the correct interpretation, whether it's Adam or, 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 uh, or uh, Abraham, you can see the Christians, they're not even in the game. They're not even thinking. See that? Okay. So they're not trying to refute it; they just ignore it. I mean, this is exactly what listeners need to know, and then so they can do their own research on these sort of things. And I'm taking it literally, not twisting the text. You see so I'm going back to Eve again because I'm interested in what she's up to with regards to correcting her error. Um, where, where, can I say something she, about that real yeah. quick. When you have a first, like the first century, or you have this period that we're right now, it's qualitatively more important, and studying Bible prophecy becomes qualitatively more important at this period that we're living in. The reason I say that is because if you're going to have a matriarch incarnate, it's, it's, it, it, this would be the time to do it, or the first century. You know, either one. I mean, you would suspect these things, but they're not thinking about, they're still stuck on Hebrews 9.27. The Bible doesn't teach that, that it's important unto man wants to die, because um, you've got different people in the Bible <laughs> that are dying twice. Children that Elijah in... Um, um, Elisha raised from the dead. They died twice. So now it's not an absolute position. So now it opens the door for the older Jewish belief that a matriarch or a patriarch can incarnate at least at least once. That's the pivot. Yeah, issue. I mean, I understand it. It makes sense if you're partly responsible for the issues that we currently have, that you want to see it to the end. You know, it's like Captain of the Titanic. You know, it's all great at the beginning, but you have to stay on board until it, while the ship's sinking. So I can imagine that a particular individual who was responsible for, for doing certain things, who wants to correct and make up for that, um, one individual, a couple of individuals, more than one, more than two, more than three, would then have certain pivoted points in history, milestones where they will come in in order to make sure certain things are moving in the right direction, and, and that includes being there right at the end. So for me, that makes sense. Uh, if they're an important enough figure, but as a general rule, I wouldn't hold that to be true. That has to do with like karmic death. I believe the Bible teaches what's called recom recompense. Uh, no, I'm only, it's true in a qualified yeah, sense. I'm only talking about it with regards the Adam and Eve, uh, Christ and David King and Enoch. It, it, it seems that they're reappearing at certain stages in terms of what you're saying. 
Now, <clears throat> would you therefore say? Now, let me get. Let me stick to Eve because uh, where else in history would you say Eve has incarnated, as opposed to now, which you're saying? It, let me put something out here. It, is it possible that she could have incarnated Eve as uh, Mary Magdalene, or some some character like that? <laughs> Oh, don't want to get an Go on, we have to come on, we have to... Yeah, yeah, We're not being broadcast in some church, you know, where yeah. this is a conversation. Uh, the reason I... Oh, you're going to have all kinds of Christians critiquing this. Uh, there's a simple reason, is because um, it's impossible to refute the artificial night sky. It's a self-evident fact that nobody's talking about it. I'm not talking about the nature of the artificial night sky. It's self-evident that it's there's something haywire up there, and nobody's talking about it, so... Eventually, the word will get out that nobody's talking about it, and uh, because it's a simple, it's a simple fact, you just look up in the sky and, uh, and, and everything's moving around, and you go tell somebody, and eventually you get a snowball effect. And so, what's going to happen is that people are going to uh, take a, a microscope and start analyzing me, because I'm the only one that's talking about that. Mm-hmm. And so, so they're going to start critiquing my doctrine. Right now, what they're doing is they're ignoring it because they don't want to bring attention to it. They always do this, but eventually they'll be forced to start trying to refute it, and then we're going to have... Well, this, this is great. This is why I'm asking these questions, because this is something you brought up, and this is something I've uh, become aware of. And, I'm, I'm, and obviously, you have people who are aware of this knowledge, who agree with you with this knowledge, and I want to know more about it. So... Now, I just want to say that I've been preparing for this all these years. I used to uh, wake up in the morning and sit there and go through all this argumentation of this person does this, this person says that, and this is what I'm going to say. And they're going to have their hands full with me. Okay, great. And so, okay, so what's, what's Eve doing? So where is she? Um, is she? Is she Mary Magdalene? Does she, does yes. she, she incarnates. But you can't, you cannot prove that with scripture. Now, is this why they've, they've sort of distorted this in the sense like, oh, the Da Vinci Code? Well, Illuminati know it, though. Yeah, I'm they sure they know do. All about it. So, this is why they sort of, they're playing around with this with regards to the whole Da Vinci Code. This is why he met her in the garden. And she, he, see, Adam was a gardener. This is not going to prove anything, okay? But there's, you know, the father likes to do these kind of things. And uh, that's why she met him, and she thought he was a gardener, and they were actually in a garden. And uh, but, you can but understand. Were, were they? Just but, real quick, SC. Yeah, just real quick. You can understand this one thing, because Christians don't get it. God chose one soul in all redemptive history to be the first to witness the resurrection of Christ. Yeah. And that actually had to be a woman. You know who that woman is? Mary Magdalene. Just based on that one thing alone, she's massively important. Well, there you have it. We hope and pray that you received this first podcast in the manner it is meant to be received. The concluding part of this discussion should be up and available very shortly. So please keep a lookout for it in due course. If you have any questions in relation to what is being discussed, then you can get a hold of the Spirit Cleaner at the email address given within the profile page of this podcast site. God truly is teaching His servants great lessons, as well as insights at this time. Remain strong in your walk and He shall reward. Until the next time brothers and sisters in Christ. God bless you all, and as always, remain safe, remain vigilant. However more importantly, Always, always, remain awake. After all the time.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.